Hey, hi. Before I get into this episode, I just want to say real quick that this one was recorded live for a couple people in the Discord. It is a $10 tier on the Patreon. For $10, you can watch these episodes be recorded live in the Discord and you become a part of the show. There's a chat where you can sit around and talk. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You can add your input. You can become part of the show. I just had, I've recorded this after the fact because I forgot. I was so excited. I forgot to say it in the beginning of the show. So I'm doing it now after the fact. I had such a blast doing it, even though it was only a couple of people, but you could be a part of it and it could be a really big thing. And I really hope that you could join. I get the times are tough. I'm not asking. I'm not begging for your money. I, I technically am asking, but I'm not begging. If you'd like to see the show get bigger and better, you want to see me do this a little better, please Throw me a couple bucks and you can see it happen. I love you very much. This, by the way, thank you. This is episode 250 and I wouldn't be here at episode 250 if it wasn't for people watching and listening and, and tweeting at me and being in the Discord and commenting on videos and subscribing. And I just hit 500 subs and I'm going to be doing a giveaway soon. I got to have to figure out how to do it, but I'm going to do it. And when I hit a thousand subs, I'm going to drink the Jones Cola Nuka Quantum. I love you very much. Here is episode 250 from what started as Humble Beginnings is still at Humble Beginnings. The post-apocalypse, the, 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 the post-nuclear podcast, the irradiated Wayne's world. I love you very much. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. Hi, everybody. It's Vince. It's time for Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. Today, I bring you episode 250. 250 episodes. I'm not one for numbers. I'm not, I mean, I am and I'm not. I'm, I'm a romantic son of a bitch. I know that, but <laughs> I, I, this means a lot. This show started as two friends in the other friend's bedroom. And we sat down with Yeti mics and just thought we were going to talk and maybe our friends would listen to it. And now it's me and I have a fancier microphone with an XLR cable and I have an interface and I'd like to thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. If this is the first episode, if it's the last episode, or if you've been here since day one, thank you very, very much for being here for 250 and almost in, I can only imagine the greatest coincidence is I also hit 500 subscribers on the, on the YouTube channel. Actually, it's a little more than 500 at this point. Last I checked, it was like 530 something. Um, and it shot up a lot very, very quickly. So I thank you for watching. I, I'm going to be doing a giveaway. I haven't figured out how I'm going to be doing it, but I have some items here. I have a bobblehead, a keychain, a lunchbox, a mug, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm thinking I'm going to do it associated with the discord. I think that's the best way for me to do it. The easiest way for me to do it. And it's just a thank you to say thank you for supporting me and I'll be giving away some fun fallout stuff. So thank you for being here. I love you very, very much. I was sitting for, for, for today's lore. I was thinking a lot about where these games are. And I was thinking a lot about why these games resonate so heavily with everybody and what it means to resonate with somebody. I sent a friend recently a video on Instagram about a guy talking about just his own personal struggles. And I sent it to them and they were like, why did you send this? And I really thought about it. And I was like, I don't really know. It just something about it resonated with me. And I started thinking about how these games resonated with me and how they resonate, resonate with an audience. And, I've ultimately just kind of come down to when I was doing today's lore that there's a special, a special writing, a special sort of mystique that comes to these games. And I'm so happy that I get to share it with people. 
I'm so happy that I get to share a love of something for for something with other people and just how much this community has blown up. And I'm kind of doing this reflective thinking, being that I've done this for 250, 250 times consistently. I've taken breaks here and there, but episodes have always come out. Whether they were shorter or movie reviews or something different or some, just, just, I've done this 250 times, maybe more. Pro- no, actually two, technically 251 because we lost one episode. So I've done this quite a bit. And I'm thinking about why I keep coming back, not in a bad way, in a good way. Like, like why does the dog constantly come back when his master calls? And it's because there's something there. There's something enjoyable there. There's something, I think a dog may be the worst kind of example because it's a little parasocial because the dog can't talk. But like, I come back because this is fun for me to do. And that's what it is with these games. And there's something about, especially with today's lore, there's something that keeps bringing us back. The fact that Fallout 4 came out almost 10 years ago, New Vegas came out, I believe it's 11 years ago. No, uh, this year I think is 12 years ago. Fallout 3 came out almost 15 years ago. We keep coming back to these games. We keep coming back. And part of me thought, hey, maybe this is a little bit of, uh, maybe like a little bit of a comfort thing. Maybe this is something that, that makes people feel so comfortable in such a way that it's just familiar and recognizable. Or you get something like New Vegas that you could put a thousand hours into it. And I don't think that you've played the entire, I don't think you've played the entire game. I think you've come close, but I don't know if you've played every nook and crane. I don't think you've gotten every speech check, every medicine check. I don't think you've talked to every person, every companion in in the correct order that gets you X, Y, or Z. And I think it's interesting. And it made me think about doing this podcast and it made me think about like how I could come here. We did Cazador lore twice on accident and (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I've, I've been very, very happy with this show. I've been very happy with where I've just been at with, you know, me, everything around me. I've just been excited. I've been happy. And I thank you because of, I got to do this 250 times. And like I said in the prior statement, I will be giving things away because I've recently hit 200, or I'm sorry, 250. I recently hit 500 subs on YouTube. So thank you immensely from the, depths of my heart again i made this like a two-part to the intro but thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you and while i'm thanking people i'd like to get on the lore but i can't quite yet because i have to get into the patreon because of the patreon i can continue to do this i do this because people obviously want to listen 250 of them like i said 500 plus subs but Patreon helps because people throw me a little bit of money and because they're throwing me a little bit of money, I can continue to make stuff like this. And I thank you and I appreciate you. So starting from the top, the people I have to thank is the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. And last but certainly not least, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. Like I said, because of you guys, the show continues to grow and get bigger and better as we go on. Now, what I did for this this lore segment for this week is I went to the Patreon. Again, like I just got done saying, the Patreon, uh, you can support at any level from $1 to $10. That's the highest tier is $10. And even at the $1 tier, you have the opportunity to say, hey, 
I want to choose this lore. I'll put a poll, I'll ask a question, something will happen with Patreon. Sometimes I do it on the Discord, but I'm trying to move that over to more predominantly be the Patreon. And I asked a question. I thought 250 is a big number. I've been doing this a lot. And there's two figures that I could think of that I think are lore powerhouses. And those two are Robert Edwin House and Arthur Maxson from Fallout 4. House from New Vegas, obviously. And I put it in, in, in the Patreon and House won. And this is one that I've wanted to do for a very long time, and I wanted to wait for something special. I was originally going to do House or Caesar, but I did Caesar, and I don't remember doing Caesar. So if you want to hear any sort of lore, and I mean any Fallout lore whatsoever, make sure you're in the Patreon. At the $1 tier to the $10 tier, you, yes you, will have a voice in saying what is this week's lore. And also, you can watch the podcast episodes be filmed live. So I asked the Patreon today what they wanted to hear in a poll it being either House, Robert Edwin House, or Arthur Maxson, and they picked Robert House from Fallout New Vegas. So Robert House, I want to talk about him as a personality before we talk about him as the man that he is and was. Now, his personality pre-war is more than man. We'll get into it when I talk about kind of his history, but he himself is more than man. Just by being himself and doing what he does. Even before he becomes a body in a jar, he is the biggest personality in the Mojave. He's the biggest personality in Vegas. He's arguably one of the biggest personalities in the Fallout universe. He's also one of the oldest people by the time you meet him at 261 years old. But he's also a larger than life character. And he's inspired by Howard Hughes. So it makes sense. Now, I would like to quote him before I really get into anything, and I think this really shows who Robert House is. And the quote here is taken directly from Fallout New Vegas, and it says, I have no interest in abusing others, just as I have no interest in legislating or otherwise dictating what people do in their free time, nor have I any interest in being worshipped as some kind of machine god messiah. I am impervious to such corrupting ambitions, but autocracy... Firm control in the hands of a technological and economical visionary? Yes, that Vegas shall have. So he's a man who, just from that statement alone, and yes, this is 200 years after the Great War, he sees himself higher than any other being in the land, but that that alone, I feel like, captures what House is. He is a very reclusive fella, even before being more than just a head in a jar he fully believes that he is the wasteland of the Mojave's sole leader. Uh, not leader, but more just he believes that, that, that fate is in his hands. The fate of the Mojave is his. He sees himself to be bigger than NCR. He sees him to, as bigger than Legion, bigger than Brotherhood of Steel. Any sort of government, any sort of force, he sees himself to be the one true master. But remember, not a mechanical messiah. And he has massive contempt for modern and postmodern society, uh, both before war and post-war. House hated the U.S. government and wanted to bring Vegas as a new bastion of civilization, a new Arcadia, a, a new haven, a, a new Canaan, if you will. He wants civilization to move forward and no longer make the mistakes that it did in the past. And if you ask me, that makes Robert Edwin, Edwin House a hypocrite because... 
I think a lot of the problems of the past stem from money. My opinion, a lot of the problems of the past in the Fallout universe stem from money, greed, power. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want to be in charge of people's lives. And yes, he might not want to say, hey, I'm not NCR. I can't make you pay taxes, but come here and spend your money. House's dream is for Vegas to flourish and be a bastion. Like I said, a bastion that makes him money. And people can make their own money, but nobody will make more money than Robert House. Every decision he makes is mathematically calculated, both pre and post-war. Despite the barbaric nature he has that he masks with intelligence, he sees both sides, both NCR and Legion, as just two snarling dogs fighting over a curve of bone, and that they are nothing but regurgitations of the past. He also hates caps. There's a point where he talks about, I don't have it written down, but he talks about what the platinum chip means to me. And I know Robert House, and we haven't even said the platinum chip yet, and we won't for a minute, but just give me a second, we'll get there. When he pays for the chip and he pays for all these other amenities that he does to the Lucky 38 and what have you, he says that he pays for it in cash that he earned, which arguable, but cash that he earned and not bottle caps and how he spent millions of millions of caps and how it doesn't feel the same as, as if he spent money that was backed by gold. And I, I think that's just a, a, a fun little quirk to add to a character who doesn't appreciate the world he's in now, doesn't appreciate the upper hand he has now and sees this as barbaric and not something he could take advantage of because it doesn't suit him. He's not used to it. To him, the NCR is just a society of customers they're going to come in and spend all their money in Vegas. And he sees Legion as slaving, technophobic brutes. He's incredibly proud of his accomplishments, both pre- and post-war. And now that we've gotten through who House is as a person, I'd like to talk about House and his achievements leading up to the war and then post-war. On June 25th of 2020, so this past, Robert House would be alive if he was real, an affair between a wealthy Nevada tool magnate of H&H Tools and some unknown woman, this boy, Robert House, Robert Edwin House, is born. His father took him in, and then he was orphaned at the age of two. His parents died in a freak gyro, auto gyro, and lightning accident. Now, I didn't know what an auto gyro was when I first read this, and I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. And when I read this, I didn't know what an auto gyro was. And I looked it up and it's like that like little car helicopter thing that's in Mad Max 2, uh, Fury Road, the Road Warrior. I, they died in that, which I think is, is an eccentric way for an eccentric billionaire to come into this world or at least start forming his, his emotions and thoughts. Now, Besides all of this, he attends the Commonwealth Institute of Technology in Boston CIT, a place you can visit in Fallout 4, and is cheated out of his inheritance by his half-brother, Anthony. Now, by the year of 2042, he starts Robco Industries at the age of 22. Because of House's business acumen and tech genius, he is known as an infamous eccentric billionaire. So I have another quote here from House from New Vegas, from the Nukipedia, the Fallout Wiki. By the time I was 30 years old, I was a billionaire 30 times over. I founded and ran a vast economic empire. I wanted to make sure that I had that for a few reasons. One, because any person that feels the need to tell you of their accomplishments, I get it. 
it's post-war, so he's not a known figure. His robots, his automatons, his creations, the Pip-Boys that he has a part in developing, they're seen throughout the waste. So they might not know him, but they know of his work. And the ancient Egyptians once said that you die as soon as they stop talking about you. And maybe that, to him, is his version of immortality. When people keep talking about him. When he dies in-game, there's a little thing that sends out that's on the Pip-Boys that says... Robert Edward House died this day, and it just seemed to be an automated message that was to be sent out when he died, regardless of when it was. This is a man who is so obsessed with himself. This is a man who's just incredibly written to. His wealth was used to start and or take control of many different companies, one of them being Repcon Aerospace, the Lucky 38 Hotel and Casino, which later became a place for him to reside, look over. Uh, it's uh, the closest thing to the 38. The reference is, I believe, the Glass Slipper in Vegas, which is still there. It was owned by Howard Hughes for a time. Um, but it's not. From the pictures I remember behind me will be a quick picture of the Glass Slipper. But bam. Uh, what I remember from that is very much a flat casino. The, the, the Lucky 38 is a roulette wheel that towers into the sky that when they were building the game, the, the developers wanted to make it so from any point you could see 38. You could see Eden. You could hear it calling to you. Come. Come to Vegas. Spend your money. It is sanctuary. It is protected. It has all the hookers and the chems and the alcohol you could drown yourself into. But come with money. But come with money. And the H&H Tool Company he also acquired, which was his brother that uh, usurped it from under him. He now has control of it. He still controls the factory. His brother still controls the factory outside of the Vegas city limits by 2077. Despite all of this man's business acumen and success, he started dating a starlet, but only wanted to use her to scan her brain and put her in different outfits. This grabbed the, the people's attention, and it was talked about in tabloids. The one that they reference on the Nukipedia is a Spanish tabloid. I didn't write it down because I didn't think it was super integral information, but this is a man who I can only imagine the closest thing we would have to him today is an Elon Musk sort um, maybe not posting memes and smoking weed with Joe Rogan, but, you know, doing actual like robotics work, like focusing in on these things, making things that are actually consumer grade, making things that people can actually partake in, things that people can use in their everyday life. Not an $80,000 car. They're cool, but not an $80,000 car. House always ran mathematical equations based on global political and socio-economical conditions and here's a quote from him from game by 2065 i deemed it a mathematical certainty that an atomic war would devastate the earth within 15 years every projection i ran confirmed it i knew i couldn't save the world nor did i care to this is a man who could have tried, who could have extended it, but at the same time, what does extending the apocalypse gain anybody other than the chance to make more money that's not going to really do anything for you once the world ends? Because of this, he used multiple satellites to disable a majority of missiles in mid-flight and had a high-powered laser cannons installed on top of the Lucky 38 and Hoover Dam in case anything Missed. Any of the satellites missed. Now we get to the Hoover Dam. 
The Hoover Dam is something that I remember seeing on the History Channel. I've seen it prior to this, but I remember seeing it on the History Channel as a kid, talking about this program, saying, what would happen if we all disappeared? And the Hoover Dam just doesn't stop running. It's a few hundred years before it stops running. Now, NCR is stretched so thin at this point, they go from Arroyo, which is around the Portland area of Oregon, if I remember correctly, to Baja, California, which is very Southern. And it's almost the entire West Coast. There's a few spots they're not hitting, but hey, they've done a lot in 200 years. Less than 200 years, actually, because they start 80 years after the bombs drop. But I digress. They want the Hoover Dam. The Hoover Dam can power the entirety of the West Coast. I live in Colorado currently, and I'm not sure, I could be wrong when I say this, but I would not be surprised if the Hoover Dam supplies power to some of Colorado. Most of the West Coast is supposed to be uninhabitable, but it is not of the United States of America. Most of the West Coast supposed to be uninhabitable, but it is not because of the Hoover Dam, which is incredible that if you can have that amount of power post-war to make sure that everything is running tip-top, you control the wastes. You control the West Coast. Now, out of these warheads that were stopped either by satellite or laser, 77 warheads were launched at the city of, New Ve of Las Vegas, excuse me, 68 of them were destroyed in the air, 59 of them were disabled, sorry, disarmed, and nine of them actually touched down and hit Nevada, Vegas, Clark County the area in which New Vegas takes place. There's not very many areas in New Vegas that actually suffer from any sort of radiation. And that's because of the work of House. He knew that if Vegas was either radiated or destroyed, he loses out on everything he worked his entire life for. To preserve himself for the future, he was placed in a life support device deemed the Hibernation Chamber. This took care of his physical needs, but his brain was hooked directly up to a supercomputer, much akin to the supercomputer that you meet when you enter the 38 and go up to his penthouse suite. It's a network of computers, but that is the screen that you speak to him with. Now the platinum chip. Oh, the elusive platinum chip. I'm proud to say that I have one from the, the New Vegas Collector's Edition myself, but the Platinum chip was a combo access card and high-capacity data storage. It held an, an operating system upgrade for the Securitrons and his laser defense network. This would be able to deliver... This was to be delivered to him on October 20, 2077, the day that the Great War happens, the day the bombs fall, as it's more commonly being called now Bombs Drop Day. But the bombs beat him by about 20 hours, and the chip was never able to get to him. Because of the chip not getting there in time, he had to use a faulty software. He had to use a software that, by his standards, was slowly becoming outdated. He had several system crashes. The main reactor to 38 had to be shut down. And this pretty much left him dormant trying to fight this while in this hibernation chamber, still looking like a regular human, just hooked up to a machine. Naked, but hooked up to a machine. Sometime in 2082, five years later after the Great War, five years of fighting, power outages, and even more system crashes, he finally rebooted to an older version of the operating system. And this put him in a coma for decades. To be precise, it's technically 56 years. He's in a coma for 56 years. He is sitting in a pickle jar, becoming the original Pickle Rick, for 56 years. In 2138, Robert Edwin House regains his consciousness. In 2274, 
The new California Republic scouts out the Hoover Dam, and because of this, his Securitrons leave 38 for the first time. Now, sometime, I feel like this should be said, sometime in 2274, Vegas isn't that old. 2277 is 10 years, I'm sorry, is when Fallout 3 takes place, and that's 200 years. That's five, six, seven, that's three years before the 200-year mark. Sometime of him leaving, his Securitrons leaving for the first time. Sometime in, in 2274, when he leaves and the Securitrons leave, he goes to Vault 21 and he makes the proposition that he wants Vault 21 for himself, the vault that is there on the Vegas Strip. And everything they do is settled with gambling. Every single thing they do is settled with gambling. And he goes there, he plays a game of blackjack for it, and he cheats. And now Vault 21 is another source of income for House. Now, when the Securitrons leave, they go and recruit the three families, the chairman, the White Glove Society, and the Omertas. Now, before this, before any of this even happened, they were tribes. They were just tribes in the desert in Mojave going by completely different names. House shows up and goes, I'm going to gussy you up. I'm going to civilize you, and you're going to work for me. Everything you've ever wanted is right over there, and I'm getting it started, but I need you to help me. The man who was recru recruited for the, for the chairman, for the tops, uh, before Benny became in the spot he was, was a man by the name of Bingo. After the, or also, I should say this, while House is doing all this rebuilding, uh, some kid, some scaver kid just shows up and finds the king's, the, the, the king's school of impersonation and becomes like this fourth family on the wiki on, the Nukipedia, it stated that the kings are, the way I interpret it, the kings are almost considered like a fourth family of house. Uh, just because this kid stumbled and found it and saw that they worshipped Elvis in some way, but didn't understand it with his post-war, probably can't read brain. And then it slowly became what it is now. And they are the kings that protect Freeside. So I think it's neat that you see how house has impacted not just the Mojave, not just everything around the Mojave, but even to the minutia of just some scaver kid who's probably hungry, probably looking for water, probably looking for some booty, and just stumbles in and goes, I see that there is something here. Everyone get in these prison uniforms, everybody get uh, in a leather jacket and follow us. We can do something. Now, after the three families are established, the, he establishes the free economic zone of New Vegas just in time for NCR's arrival. So now he's established this. He's a man of culture. He's a man of intelligence. He's a man who understands what the post-world was. So he has an idea of what democracy is. He has an idea of what autocracy is. He has an idea of what any sort of of government authoritarianism is and he sees NCR show up and he goes, okay, this is my land. I've staked it. I have the machines to back it. I have the Securitrons. They're only Mark ones. You don't need, they don't know this, but they're only Mark ones, but they could probably stop a large majority. And I have these resources. I can make this flourish. And after this is done, the NCR meets with House in some capacity. They never see him personally. And after this happens, after he sets up Vegas, he kind of slinks away and becomes more of a recluse. But sometime, which I can only imagine he does with a Securitron or sends a letter or something, he and the NCR signed the New Vegas Treaty. And in exchange for his help with the Hoover Dam and allowing NCR to have McCarran International Airport as its HQ, uh, he is also protected 
from the strip being annexed by NCR for the time being. Now, House wants to just bide his time. He wants to wait because he thinks if I can get them to just be on my side for a little bit and I allow them to help me work on the dam, once I get the chip, the platinum chip, I can have the Hoover Dam to myself and I can kick them out and I... House will own all of Clark County. He'll own all of Nevada. And I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls some lawyering move and goes, I supply your power. You have to pay me or I will shut your power off. Now, by 2281, it is the events of Fallout New Vegas. You play as the courier and these events unfold in front of you. By 2281, New Vegas, the Strip, is a major power in the Mojave and has set up very lucrative deals with the NCR. House's main goal is to get the platinum chip at this point. He spent millions of caps and eventually, some 204 years later, House has an idea of where the chip is. It is found. He contracts the Mojave Express to deliver the chip and six couriers are sent out. He thought he would distract other raiders and in case someone were to attack a caravan, attack a courier, seeing what they're carrying, he would have the other people have dummy items. One is a, I believe one is a pair of dice, another one is like a chess piece, little things. But you are one of the couriers carrying the platinum chip. And that's how the game starts. And then you later meet Ulysses and what happens. Benny steals the chip. You know the deal. The game was rigged from the start, Bay B. And you go about seeing what your role is here in New Vegas. And you see what you have to do. House is a man who is incredibly proud of his accomplishments. If I haven't made that 100% accurate. House is a man who you show up to him and he makes you say thank you. He sends Victor to go get the courier to dig him out of the, to the, out of the ground, bring him to Doc Mitchell. And then Victor's like, Hey pal, why don't you come on down to New Vegas? Fancy strip out yonder. And he's a man who thinks that by this, you are just indebted to him. He's a very, 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 very fascinating character to me. I have some more stuff I want to read. I'm not quite done with the Lord, but I just wanted to give a little bit of my own opinion. He's a man that I can see being sort of like Batman. Uh, kind of like Batman. If Batman, all the power went to his head and he didn't wear a silly little suit, but he definitely drives a silly little car. He's a character that I think next time I play after doing this lore, next time I play new Vegas, I'm doing a house run just cause I want to talk to house. I want to see what he has to say. I want to see what he thinks. Like I really want to get more in depth. It's one thing for me to sit here and tell you his backstory. It's another thing to spend time with the man. And yes, I know it's, it's not a real man, but it's another thing to spend time with him and see what makes him tick. What makes that brain in the jar float? If you will. Now, like I've said, I lost one of my notes. Like I said, I uh, get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. And there's some notes, some fun facts, some trivia stuff that I'd like to read directly off the wiki, stuff that I didn't think was the most important to write down, but something that I still thought was important nonetheless. So House is involved in a myriad of quests, some of them being the House Always Wins uh, for the Republic, the moon comes over the tower. 
uh, the house has gone bust, a tr- like a bunch of stuff. That's that's when he dies. And that's the note that I was saying about earlier that Hitcher Pip-Boy called the tragedy has befallen all mankind. This man thought he was Christ incarnate. He thought he could be the savior, but he didn't want to be, but he thought he might be. You can find a portrait of House. There's the, behind me real quick, I'll put the portrait. It's of House with Liberty Prime because he developed, he helped develop Liberty Prime. Uh, you can find... You can find a portrait of him in house, house number double zero in Higgs Village in Old World Blues with knives thrown in it, most likely by Dr. O, who hates Mr. House. Mr. House is given the nickname Not at Home by the Omertas for his tendency to remain neutral in all strip affairs. In the Gek, there is a version of Mr. House as a human before the war, although he has no mustache and his hair is gray rather than the, bl- than the black it looks like on the computer. When you kill Mr. House, if you choose to, you actually lose karma, even though he has negative or uh, neutral karma. If the player character speaks to Ulysses after the end of Lonesome Road, they can tell him if they have killed House. At first, he is indifferent and wonders what will happen to Vegas and the three families now that House is gone. But soon after, he states all of this is for the best. So uh, real quick, I feel like I should say this. House is alluded to several times in Fallout 4, approaching Deezer and Covenant while having Deacon as a companion. This will trigger dialogue where he says, Command override. Vocal audio House Robert. (laughs) Access core programming. Deacon claims that this is House's personal security override that he won in a poker game. Adding to more about how Deacon is a big fat liar. In the Fallout 76 update for Wastelanders, there's a Robco auto cache terminal that mentions House, and the H&H2 logo can also be seen on textures for the auto axe in the uh, pit expansion. If you have the New Vegas Collector's Edition, he is the king of diamonds on the card set that they give you. Mr. House's personality is based off that of Howard Hughes, a reclusive millionaire with ties to the real-world Las Vegas Strip. I'm giving you a little bit of homework. It's not mandatory. Feel free to do it if you'd like. Hedy Lamar is a woman that is never going to be given the flower she deserves. Hedy Lamar... Uh, invented Bluetooth. She invented a ton of things. She was a pornographic film actress uh, during World War II, married to a Nazi, then fled to the States, became involved with Howard Hughes, the most interesting man on the planet, and said she'd never been more bored by another man. There's a very good documentary from a few years ago about Hedy Lamarr, and it ends uh, with her son at at an event. Fantastic. I can't remember the name of the documentary. Fantastic documentary. For those of you who are fans of Bioshock, without spoiling a game that's overrated and over 10 years old, if you attack Mr. House with a nine iron, it's uh, the challenge that Prox is 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 a reference to Bioshock called A Slave Obeys. The house, what's what's cool about house being Mr. House, being Robert House, the house is referred to in a casino as the house. Like a casino is referred to as the house. That's why it's the house is always wins. It's also a saying amongst gamblers because the games you play, you can win big money, but it's more or less in the favor of the house. And the house always wins, except for blackjack. You have like a 51.5% chance or something. And... 89% of all gamblers quit 
right before they they win. Mr. House had another female Securitron program named Marilyn, who's based off the real-world Marilyn Monroe, but the character was cut. However, she appears alongside Jane in a card from the deck of cards in the collector's edition, as in real life, Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe were contemporaries. The texture file for her face is still in the game, and there is a reference to her in the geck. Also, after meeting how. After meeting House, Veronica will say she's surprised he only had two robot sex slaves. Josh Sawyer stated that the platinum chip was carried by the courier from the southern NCR through the hub at Mr. House's behest. There's actually a cut ending uh, that Josh Sawyer talks about, or a, a cut dialogue option, a cut through way when he wants you to destroy the Brotherhood of Steel that you can just spare the Brotherhood of Steel, but they decided against it because they said there's no reason why the house would want the Brotherhood of Steel to be there. That is Robert Edwin House. That is one of the most powerful, pro prolific, oldest people in the wasteland. It's one of the people who is just a presence, just a force. Once you know of it, he's, he's almost like the game. I know adults who are still playing the game. Sorry if you're still playing it. If you don't know what the game is, it's a game that anytime you think about the game, you lose the game. He's the game. He's the game as a as an entity in Fallout. Fantastically written, fantastic backstory. I'd like to know more about him as as a as a human. He still is a human as a person before he's just a brain in a jar, essentially a pickle, if you will. I'd like to know more, but it doesn't matter to House that part of his life is over. Now he wants world domination more or less, at least domination over his area. But that, my friends, is this week's lore. So I realized uh, that I forgot to mention, I'm gonna probably put something at the beginning of the episode as well. But because this is episode 250, there's normally a Patreon tier at $10. $10 gets you the ability to watch these episodes live, be recorded live in the Discord. Am I still recording? <laughs> I sure as shit am you get the ability to see these live, right? And because it's a 250, uh, I have people in the $10 tier, but as far as I know, they're not in the Discord. I'm sorry, they're, yeah, they're either not in the Discord or they haven't reached out to me in any way other than just supporting on Patreon. And it's absolutely appreciated, but I wanted to test out this feature. So right now, as of me recording this, I have two people in the audience, Captain Lennox and a box of tomatoes. Hello, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Uh, I'd like to do more stuff like this. I think it's cool that you get to see something, if you enjoy it, get made live. And I have a chat that's here that you can talk. You can say, hey, uh, moron, you missed something. You, you pronounced this wrong. You did that wrong. You know, it, it essentially becomes like a tamer version of a Twitch chat because I'm just live streaming to you in the Discord. Um, it's a super cool thing. I've never done it before. And I hope the people that are here, again, Box of Tomatoes, hello, Captain Lennox, hello, because you guys are here, uh, you've helped me do this and I appreciate it. I just, ah, it's just cool, man. It's just cool. You know, you, you, you go your whole life not knowing what's like, what is ahead of you. You have an idea. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to shit out a couple kids. And you do some cool stuff along the way like this. And I'm just super, super happy that you guys are here to be, to, to do this with me. So thank you. If you would like to experience what it's like to become essentially part of the show, Now's the time to, to join. There's a link in the, to the description. There's a link in the description to the Patreon. Even at the $1 tier, like I said, there is some sort of rewards. But even just you watching this, I thank you. 
Now, for the last segment of 250, I wanted to talk about something a little historic. This was sent to me from Kyle. This is from Go Nintendo. Let me just open the thing right up. Go Nintendo, uh, a website that talks about video games, Nintendo. The Super Mario Bros. theme becomes... Th- becomes the Library of Congress first video game song added to the National Recording Registry. The Library of Congress is where you'll find, among other things, the National Recording Registry. The registry preserves our history through recorded sound and reflects our nation's diverse culture according to the Library of Congress. Today, the library reveals a new round of inductees for the National Recording Registry. For the first time, a video game song has made the cut. The Library of Congress has revealed that the Ground theme from Super Mario Bros. aka the game's main theme is now officially part of the National Recording Registry. This marks the very first time that a game, the very first time in National Recording Registry history has inducted a song from a video game. And I think that just shows where we are. I talk about it on here quite a bit, so you've probably heard me say this, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but... I got made fun of a lot as a kid for playing video games. I remember it was like a thing that boys only did and the girls, ew, yucky, uh, sticky controller. It just wasn't something that was socially accepted. And now it is. The Mario movie's great. It's filled with references. It's a kid's movie. It's a five out of 10 and I loved it. And I'll watch the second one. The Sonic movie, same thing, more or less. I feel like there's a little more story in that one, but still, how much can you do with mushrooms and shit like that? It's cool. It's one of those things that I never thought I'd see. It's one of those things that I could see myself taking my kid or a niece or a grandchild to the Smithsonian and going through these things and seeing like, oh, hey, look at this. This is here. You can listen to it. And do, 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 do. That's a song that was made. This doesn't sound crazy because it's in the Library of Congress. It's a song that was made before I was born. It's a song that has impacted me a lot as a kid being someone who started playing stuff like Mario because it's the easiest thing to get into. It's super, super dope to see that. So Captain Lennox is saying in the chat that you could be a part of uh, that the D&D movie is also pretty good. I Kyle told me that it's really, really good. Uh, I haven't seen it. It was one of those that I was like, all right, I'll wait till the hype kind of dies down. I haven't heard anything bad. Uh, I've heard from people that don't even like D&D that it's a pretty good game or pretty, pretty good movie. So I'd like to see it at some point in time. Uh, if I just as someone who played a ton of D&D, if I don't see it before it leaves theaters, I'll see it whenever it hits streaming. If it isn't already on HBO or what have you. See, Captain says that as a player of D&D, you could almost see the people making their roles as if and as if they're playing a game of D&D around a kitchen table in someone's. Uh, this is me adding to it, but around a kitchen table playing and that's what i've heard i've heard that it's very much like someone tries to do something and they cast like a one or they cast a 20 on something minor and i think that's really cool i would really like it if when they wrote the movie that they wrote it where it's like okay then this action happens roll for it okay then that happens but we have to get to this point just to add that extra layer of of D of of randomness of just what we play I haven't played D&D in a while. I really want to play it again. I want to play a, like one of my charismatic characters again. Captain also says, it took so long for something this quality to be made. My guess is because as kids, we didn't get it. It was a screw this, we'll do it ourselves. Yeah, probably. I also think just the, the popularity of D&D enables that. Uh, 
my whole thing was when I, I have a friend at work who's a big movie guy and I asked him, I said, did they spend two hours shopping? That was my, we would play D&D for six hours and an hour and a half to three hours. <laughs> Somewhere within that number was spent shopping. And I was like, oh my God, give me, just give me what I need in them out. Don't fight on the price. Don't go, oh, the guy down the street, you're not the charismatic character. I'd walk in and go, hey buddy, I need this. And you're going to give it to me for 80% off. And they go, uh, yeah, because I rolled high. But the guy who's like, you know, the guy down the street doesn't, has it a little lower. Just, just get your stuff and go. That's pretty much everything I have to say. I thought it was cool. At the Mary movies here. Thank you so much for being here for 250. The two fellas that are in chat right now that are watching live, do you have anything you'd like to say that isn't a slur <laughs> or something racist? Uh, you have anything you'd like to say that'll be immortalized forever on YouTube and on podcasting services? I'll, I'll, if you want to say anything, say it now and I'll say it for you and it's out there in the open forever captain lennox says it's just crazy to think that the game has been out as long as it has been i remember when new new vegas came out me too new vegas was my first midnight release fallout came out and came out in 97 it's a year older than i am i'm sorry i'm a year older than it and it's my favorite thing in the world and it's something that we can come together and we can love and we can share and it's super dope that we can that's a good place to start Good place to start. Mine was three, as you probably know. But still, that's everything for today's episode, episode 250. Thank you for being here. I love you very much. The intro music is by the one and only Shane Ivers. You can get his music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. Like I said, mine's Feather Duster, so throw a slash Feather Duster and you can get my song. In the description is a link to the Patreon. Again, guys, at the $10 tier, you can watch these episodes be recorded live. But even at the $1 tier, you have input in what happens with this show. Link in the description to the Redbubble. Link in the description to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter as well. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for the past almost five, 10 weeks from now is five years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the depths, from the deepest reaches of my heart. Thank you for listening to, listening to me gush about my favorite thing. I'm very proud of what the show is, and I'm very happy that you're here to do this with me. I love you very much, and I'll be seeing you next week. Bye, everybody. All right, that's it. That's 250. Thank you guys for being here. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. A Ghoulman Entertainment Production.